everyone. Welcome to the Gen X Voice podcast. I'm Trish the Dish, your host, and I'm so excited to have my very good friend, uh, Vicki Oldani. Ooh, I did it right away this time. Uh, who is a boomer that you might remember from our very first episode, What's in a Generation Label, where we kind of dissected what these labels that we put on generations mean. So highly recommend that. Um, feel free to um, go and search that out, genxvoice.com or anywhere that you've uh, listened to podcasts. So one of the things that um, I, I definitely want to encourage you all is um, make sure that you um, click the link uh, for, for StreamYard so that when you do make a comment, um, we can see it and we can see who you are. So welcome everyone. Vicki, it is so wonderful to see your wonderful face because <laughs> it's been a while. I mean, yeah, we yeah. talked it on the phone. Been a while since we've seen each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we talk on the phone on a end, lot. Yeah. yeah. Hours yeah. and hours. Um, Vicki's also my creative assistant um, that gives me some feedback on a lot of the um, ins and outs of the podcast. And so um, just publicly want to thank you as usual with everything that you've ever given in terms of feedback and letting me know that at least someone's listening to the podcast, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Which you, you give me a whole lot more glamorous credit, but yeah, I'm totally, Aww. totally uh, interested, invested in, in, throwing things back and forth. And I love it. I, you know, I love the concept. I love everything you're doing. I think it is hugely valuable. Well, what I'm really excited about is today we are going to discuss friendship. And we were talking about this a little bit um, in, in one of our lengthy phone calls. Guys, we talk probably at least a few times a month for like two hours. Um, we just can't get enough of each other. And it's great because um, we, so we met in 2009 when I first started teaching French at Springfield Southeast High School in Springfield, Illinois. And Vicki was the German teacher. Um, and so the students called me Mademoiselle, the students called her Frau. And I, I don't know if you remember the very first time we met, but I had um, I had been placed in the classroom, and this was a classroom with no windows and lots of like weird pukey blue walls. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it was you or someone else brought me a Monet poster. Was that you or was that you know, someone else? I don't know because I had I don't know I had French things over the years that I gave away, and I honestly don't know if I did or not. You know. Well, for the sake of uh, making this story even more exciting, I'm going to say it was you. And it was such a moving thing because I literally, it was my first year teaching. I didn't even have a teaching certificate. I was an emergency substitute, right? Um, because they, the district couldn't find a French teacher. And lo and behold, I was at, a, you know, just a random cocktail party and met some woman and got hired. And Vicki had already been there. You were already there for six years. Um, right? No, I started in 2001. Okay. So you were there for eight years. Okay. I was yeah. off a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I remember it very, very clearly because our little corner was all foreign language. And I felt very um, responsible for you. 
in my own universe, no one in the building ever asked me to mentor and I never got, (laughs) Um, you know, but I knew what it meant to come in fresh like that. And, and of course I always had this lifelong passion for French. So like, you know, I was going to be there. I mean, that was not even a question to me from the day. (laughs) Well, and what's so great. I'm trying to pat down my so much fun. Well, it was just so great because like I just said, I, I mean, when you're a French major at NAU in Flagstaff, um, you, you cannot get a French degree without taking a couple teaching classes because they just assume Mm -hmm. why else would you be getting a French degree? Uh, I did not. I just got a French degree and went, I'll, I'll pave my own way. Uh, but still ended up teaching. Um, so I didn't really know what I was doing. I went in there with like a script that like I was going to read from in French mm-hmm. and quickly learned um, that there was a little bit more to teaching French than just sort of standing in front of them um, lecturing. And one thing I really, um, and I just want to point out really fast that we're such close friends, folks, that we both yeah, have we a both side break today. I did it just because I've been sick and didn't know what to do with my hair, but that's so cute. It's this like, is my, this so is my COVID hairstyle. So we yeah. didn't, we didn't do any sort of, uh, hey, what are you wearing kind of, how are you going to do your no, hair? No, we didn't do, I mean that you have makeup on and I would have done it too, but I haven't worn makeup since I retired from the school district last June. But you look um, beautiful and I've never seen you look healthier. You, I, I feel think, very healthy. I don't, I do. I was sick this week, but I do feel very healthy. Yeah. I feel like retirement sits well on you, my friend. It does. And Mike and I are doing this very intense microbiome diet to replenish the. Oh, you started it. Yes, we did. And I've had some major headaches and misery, but I feel really good this morning. So here we are. Well, good, good. Um, You know, I I hate doing this because I hate, hate, hate questioning dates. But are you sure you didn't come earlier than 2009? 100%. And master's degree in 2010. I left in 2009. What am I thinking? Thank you. I started in 2000. But I hate arguing over dates because that's <laughs> like a rabbit hole argument. No, 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 so. no. That's so important because 2004 is actually when I started. I was going to say, you came yes. very, very quickly after I had only been there for a couple of years. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I was so glad you fixed that. Because you were right next to me and we did not have a strong French program. So your your passion was like, oh, yes, I get to work with somebody who really wants to do this. You know, that was really awesome. Right. Because um, when I started, Vicki, I don't know if you remember, but there were only three hours of French. And one of my class, oh, one of one of my former students is here. Um, it's, I have to put is, my glasses on. So I can't great. Chris, Chris, bonjour, Chris. Bonjour. He said, do you remember Chris Clutter? He um, he was one of my first students. Probably not, but you know, I, I'm lucky if I can remember. I, all my own. I'm going to tell you if you if you he looks a little different now. He's a little buffed out and uh, pretty. That Chris, pretty, pretty awesome uh, uh, stuff. But uh, yeah, so it was, and one of my classes had um, actually French two, French three, and French four all in the same class. And I mean, talk about a that little was your first year probably, right? It was my very first year. So oh, you're right. It was a dying, um, a dying language in, um, at Southeast. And if it wasn't for you, 
just sort of you. Oh, do you remember actually, because because I only had three hours to teach in the day, there were several times that I would actually sit in your classroom after I was done teaching and observe you. Yeah. It was so fun. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, this woman creates her own curriculum and she doesn't use a textbook. And I don't even know if you had a class set of textbooks, did you? No, no, I got rid of them very quickly after I started. Yeah. We actually got huge money in the district to get money in lieu of textbooks. So we got this ginormous grant later on after you had left. Oh, man, <laughs> what I could have done with that. Because you and I have had this in common from the very beginning as our love for language. Uh, sadly, I read yesterday that, oh, my gosh, the European languages have so fallen off the grid at the colleges. Over 500 to 700 colleges have dropped their European languages and... I am just incredibly sad about it, but there is a big thing going on at UCLA to turn the European language department into a focus on how those countries have influenced the world as it is today and how they're dealing with immigration and how the cultural thing that you and I have been driving home for years, they're now saying this is the only way to keep an interest in Europe is if we turn to the cultural significance because the languages are no longer needed and being used, wow. you know, wow. except and, for people who are who are lovers of language like you and me, you know. Right. Well, and that's what was so great is because of your cultural rich curriculum that inspired me to really because French. Well, first of all, we taught in a very um, ethnically diverse, racially diverse school. Um, and it inspired me because I looked around and I was like, man, I've got maybe one or two non-white students in this school that had, um, a much larger ethnic population. And I was like, well, let's have ethnic. I think it was called culture days. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, hi, Connor's here. Nice to see you, Connor. Thanks for listening. Um, and, uh, we, I started taking different francophone countries to use a little academic word, French speaking countries each Friday and cook for the students and show, you know, videos or whatever. And, um, that was really, that was really exciting to, to, to have the freedom to know that I wasn't bound by this textbook, which by the way, still talked about the Frank and the Euro had already been out for what, five years at that Mm -hmm. point. Well, I mean, um, our topic is friendship. So let me tie that in here because. Yes, please do. Keep us on track. If you and I had. No, I'm not trying to do that at all. I'm, I'm seeing it as relevant to what you're saying, because if you and I had not become friends right off the bat, you would not have had such a good teaching experience in that you wouldn't have had the liberty to drop the textbook yep. and focus on culture because I gave you that permission and I had no clout. Yep. Whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, I simply, as your friend, knew the system, and I knew that I could say to you, they don't care what we do, right. but we love it, so we can give it our best in any direction we think is pedagogically sound. And we both were on the same track that way, culture and communication and talking to them. And um, and as far as you know, the school district went, they would never have come and checked on us. If we hadn't been friends, right. you would have been getting advice from French teachers in the district 
that would have told you to use the textbook and be this they were, in a box and they were my age, but they were so old school and had been teaching already for, you know, over five years or so. Yeah. Cause I was about 28 when I started uh, teaching. Yeah. And, um, and, and I remember going to like a, a district wide foreign language workshop and sitting with them and, you know, I've, I've always kind of been like this, right? Like a uh, very, very authentic who I am. Mm-hmm. Never really wore a lot of makeup. You know, I, I really not wear it a lot. It just looks like it. Um, look very glamorous. You know how to do it for the video. <laughs> <Not me> <laughs> well, I, I do it. I do it uh, for, because honestly, uh, there's not a lot of reasons to do anything. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. but they were just so much more prim and proper. And, you know, you could tell that they didn't study abroad in like the south of France, where it's really super laid back. Um, And even though I did live in Paris, you know, I never really got caught up in this whole like super glamorous kind of lifestyle. But anyway, so I'm so grateful for our friendship because I did not connect with those women. Because we can't take that for, I I mean, I don't want to turn this all into a woohoo, you know, the stars align for us, but... I'm sorry. <laughs> Why not? That is what I believe. And the fact of the matter is I didn't used to believe it. Um, I didn't see it when it was happening. I never saw the gift of friendship when it was happening. It it was enjoyable. And then now that I look back, I go, oh, my word. Why in the world was there always someone there for me in the French classroom that made my life worth living at Southeast, that made me want to come to school and collaborate, want to teach my best. Um, I didn't know at the time, because I can be so naive. I can think everybody in the building's doing this. And that wasn't true, you know? Right. A lot of teachers were siloed in that school. Well, yeah. And, you know, life is what it is. And we're all a bunch of human beings. And you and I just were those two people. And we luckily, or whatever, (laughs) got put together right next door to each other. You know, I mean, you have to look at that and go, so interesting. because So interesting. You know, our topic is friendship. And I, I have thought about it my whole entire life. I've tormented over it a lot. But now that I'm older and I can look back, I go, wow, I can see exactly the people who came into my life and what, if I can use a religious word, what a godsend they were to me, you know? Yeah. At the yeah. time. Well, and, and we, um, we really connected on a deeper level too. So yeah, we, we had this, this um, friendship over, you know, this mutual respect over each other's languages. I'm me coming from a predominantly German family heritage um, and and you just loving French like I did. So there was there was that aspect. But then um, and I don't even know how it happened. But slowly we started wanting to hang out after school and at lunch and um, before school and weekends. And then we started planning this trip to, you know, to Europe together. And then we did. Um, I, I'm sure Chris remembers this because he was a part of this. We did uh, these these French plays and went to Illinois College and um, and, and what a blast that was! Those were that. some of the best experiences as a teacher I ever had, and I never had that replicated again. No, no, and I never did either. Over the years, there was never the same things happening again and again, and I never had anything quite like that again. Right? Um, yeah, it is. 
Yeah, and Mike was there, and that's Mike her husband in the background, folks. Too. Yeah, definitely. Amazing, um, amazing human. So, you know, I I wanted to ask you a question. I, I didn't really, you know, I knew you and I would just be able to talk, at, you know, at length about almost any topic we threw on the table. But um, I wanted to ask you, like, what did friendship, like, when you, what was, like, the youngest time you can remember when the concept of someone being a good friend was really wonderful to you or it was really discouraging because you didn't have one? Well, I, I could have both. I mean, so as an only child and um, coming from a generation where parents weren't really around, um, you know, the latchkey kid generation is what our generation is called. Um, friendships were super important um, as a kid. And um, I always... I, I always looked at it as like, um, God, I, I just always had someone to hang out with um, until it was, you know, time to go home at night. And I'd get sad because I they all had brothers and sisters and I was alone. Right. But a very pivotal time in my life um, was when um, my friend Kate, um, who I've mentioned to you probably a few times, but she, uh, she's my friend in Portland now, but we were in Flagstaff during the time. And, mm -hmm. and we, um, in college one night, um, she was the first person I ever literally opened up about my childhood and the abuse, um, and really got deep with that conversation with this college friend. With this college friend who... And up until then, now, you didn't really have anybody to confide any of that to. I, I just didn't... Um, I just... Well, that's not actually true because I did have another friend um, who was um, about 20 years older than me when I was 18 who um and I had a couple friends I've I've mentioned this in in our um in our conversations before that you know I always gravitated to people older than me um just because I I you're in such a a different life um spot than everyone else who is is was in my peer level so you weren't worrying about clothes and fashion and boys you were a much more deeper thinker, which is something I was. So I, I actually, even before that, I, I was able to connect with a woman, but um, this was the first time that she, she wanted to share so much too. So it wasn't as much me being able to really give the whole story from beginning to end with someone listening yeah. intently. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and to this day, Paulette is not my friend. But Kate is. Kate now has continued to be my friend into yeah. our forties. Um, yeah. But how about you? I'd like to ask you well, the same. Question. I mean, you know, when I said earlier that I've been fairly tormented by friendship my whole life, I think it started in my childhood when I didn't really have friends in our neighborhood, and I was also a latchkey kid. And I also just recently realized that I was an immigrant's kid. Do you know it took me to the whole immigration debacle in the last five years and the wall and everything to un to really look back and go, I was an immigrant's kid. Wow. And now looking back on the three friends from from like second and third grade that I really remember. And one of them came to my wedding and that was my last contact with her, which is really sad. But um, they were all immigrants. Mary Moy, her parents came from China. Kathy Koklanas, her grandmother was Greek and raising her in Chicago. The other gal was Hepner. She was German, but 
generations back, but it's interesting that I even attracted immigrants as friends. I wasn't American enough to feel comfortable with the American kids. Wow, uh, really? And I didn't even realize that until just recently when I began to think about, well, who did you have as a friend that you really, really remember? And actually, one of these girls, Mary Moy, I really, really want to reconnect with. I, I have no idea how I will. I've lost track of her so long ago. Mm -hmm. um, but my mom was not a good friend. And my mother's friends threw her under the bus. So I spent a lifetime having to figure out what friendship meant and how not to just dismiss everybody I got close to because they did something mm. worth throwing them under the bus for, you know? Right. And of course, I wanted to be different than my mom, so I didn't ever feel that I was going to do that to my friends. But it has made me wonder why I don't have any friends from high school or grade school. I just couldn't make those lifetime bonds with childhood friends. That was just not yeah. possible for me. Plus, well, it's back and forth to Germany so many times, you know? Yeah, that's so interesting, though, that you bring up the fact that your mother, who was an immigrant, um, didn't model what good friendships really look like. And because and, my mom was the same. I, I have a memory of us. Maybe I was 10. Um, this was when my mom was... Uh, was married to the more wealthy gentleman. Um, mm -hmm. And so we were actually living in a nice house and I had tons of toys and we had a computer and a CD player. Like we had money. I mean, for those days in the eighties. And when you came from, yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. And so um, we went to Phoenix we were living in um, Texas at the time. And, and my mom went to Phoenix to see a high school friend of hers and um, my mom is um, ha has had this personality that was um, very. Um, what's the opposite of attracting something? <laughs> it's like a very deflective personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I know and, she's push people away by her tenor. I don't know if there's. A yeah, and you know? and and uh, what's what, what sticks in my head is that she she got into it with this this high school friend of hers and decided to take a limo to leave her house that we were staying at and go to a hotel and and kind of show off to her that how much better she was than her. And yeah. I remember being 10 years old at the time thinking about that and 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 just kind of i mean obviously a lot of things that my mother did i would always kind of analyze at a very young age like gosh i i would never want to be at a point where i'm at someone's house i mean can you imagine if i did that to you i mean i and feel like just, that yeah. <laughs> yeah like when you're a rich podcaster someday and you just producer <laughs> coming Say my directive creative assistant has lost her mind. I'm out of here. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and folks, uh, speaking of which, make sure that you like, subscribe, and follow Gen X Voice podcast so I can have a limousine right away from Vicky. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, but um, you know, what a terrible and she didn't have any friends. And something else, Vicky, my grandfather didn't have a single friend at his funeral. Oh, see now one. And I, and I don't like to be so general, but I do think there is a fair amount of damage in the German psyche that with my German mother and your German grandfather, they just came from thousands of years of war. I'm sorry, they're messed up, you know, in certain ways. And, and how can you trust human beings when for thousands of years on your land, they've been decimating each other? 
Mm. You know, because it really all boils down to trust. You can't become really good friends with someone if you don't trust that they are who they are when they're talking to you. And the wow. and you know as well as I do that the biggest way to lose that is what everybody in the world does, and that is to smack mouth each other behind their backs. You know, talk smack. Right. I don't know how to use those new cliches? I shouldn't have said that. But that you know to talk bad about people, and that has been something in my lifetime that I've had to really, really, really drive home in my family because my family is completely divided as a result of talking poorly about each other. And I didn't begin to understand that till I was a young woman after college. And I put a stop to it. I said I was not going to. Oh, hang on. My daughter's calling. I'm hanging up on her. I'm on a podcast, baby. I'm so sorry. I'll call you back later. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I shouldn't even have my phone by me. Bye bye. <laughs> um, sorry, you mean you're listening to it and you can't talk to me? That's probably what she thought. Oh, goodness. Um, but, you know, do you hear what I, I lost my train of thought. I do that all the time. Yeah. So you're saying there was a rift in your family um, hmm. due to some smack talking. Right. And, and those are all things that, you know, cause, cause to be honest with you in family, my friendships from my youngest time were my cousins. And I have a couple of cousins now more than a couple, but from childhood that I was very, very close to. And I think I learned my greatest. You don't think of cousins as friends, do you? Because you didn't have a lot of cousins, right? I didn't have any. Um, I didn't. I didn't have my first. I was the first grandchild and the only grandchild until um, my cousin Mikey was born um, when I was twelve years old. Yeah. Um, and so, granted, he he's passed away. Um, but my other cousins, um, um, Lauren and. Um, Oh my God. This, oh, I hope they're not listening right now. I, I want to say Chris, but that's not what we, that's his middle name. Mark, Mark, Mark Christopher. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. But that's actually a really good point. I'm so not that close to them that I haven't talked to them in a long time. Hey, you're not allowed to text while you're on a po- live I podcast. Tell her why I cut her off. I'm listening to you. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, this is my one thing is my daughters. My relationship to them is so important that I can't stand anything to be, you know, sorry. It's just who I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, I thought I'd call you out just because, uh, you know, yeah. it's funny. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm here. I'm so, I'm so here with this. Um, but so, yeah, back to the point, though, is that, yeah, yeah I, I'm not close to them at all. And, you know, I see them once every few years. And even then it's it's right. it, there's not right. we're connected by blood and not much more, which is a shame. But that is great that you actually had that connection with your cousins and they're all about the same age as you. Well, no, 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 no. I have cousins who are anywhere from 17 years younger than me to five, 10 years older than five years older than me. My sister's the oldest in the family. Um, but I had cousins who were my age growing up. And yes, I did get very, very close to them. And I have all my family lived in Germany. The only ones that lived here was one uncle and he lived in the Chicago suburbs and we lived in Chicago. And so my cousins, his children, I was very, very close to. Plus I moved to Germany a lot. And so my other cousin in Germany, that's my age, I am also very, very close to. And now that my other cousins have grown up and I have kind of come to a real understanding of the craziness of our German parents who went through World War II, 
we have all become really, really close because of some amazing healing conversations we get to have about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's funny because I, I, I sometimes could go down the pity hole that I don't have any friends. And my daughter's always reminding me, mom, you do though. All over the world, you have these incredible friendships and you just don't. And it's true because, I mean, a lot of times I don't even think of my cousins as friends, but they are. They're incredible right. friends, you know. Um, and we all unanimously in our family have come to this sort of spoken rule that we are not ever. Vicky, ever is there any way that we can get you to turn your I, phone off? I don't know what is there any do? way? I mean, just turn my phone off altogether? No, just the sound. Well, I it. know, except that my computer automatically picked up my phone. Oh. And I technology, Trish. That, that was just I, really loud in the in the ears. The, I'm just the, really dumb at it, and I don't know how to disconnect that. So do you want me to take the phone? No, no, no. Okay. no. Just, just um, if, if it was a quick yes and you could, yeah. that would have been great. It's just it was a really loud sound in my ears. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Um, I'll tell you the reason why I just am so passionate about this topic is because it's really not even anything more than just how do we get along with other human beings in our lifetime? Mm-hmm. And what do they end up meaning to us? Mm-hmm. And how do we show love to them? And how do we respect them? And also, how much can we let people into our lives and not put so much pressure on a lifetime friendship and just let them be who they are for you in that year, in that moment, in that time? That's been hard for me when someone's been really like you, for instance. I'm overjoyed that you've come back into my life in this very significant way that's meaningful to both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have, even, even though I, I just want to say really quickly, we've maintained a friendship all these years, even though I haven't lived in Illinois since right. 09, right. but it were sporadic phone calls, you know, right. once a year, right. once right. a couple years and visits. You know, actually, I used to think that was kind of pathetic in friendship that so many of my friends were like that. And now I think no, because they do kind of have a thread of your life and they have you, we still have a lot of understanding about each other. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I honestly believe that the old friends that you don't see that often somehow now that I'm 63, I'm going, wow, these friends are going to be so meaningful to me in my old age mm-hmm. because my brain isn't going to shut down anytime soon. And I am going to want, my friends and my conversations and and I just see it all different now you know completely well and it's funny because I've always really like uh, and that maybe because of our childhoods were so different um I've always really valued friendship um on such a deep level and always had the mantra you choose your friends not your family and and so for me I have friends like you all over the world and all over the country. And actually it was this podcast that's allowed me to connect to a lot of those friends after maybe not having spoken for 15, 20 years. But (laughs) excuse me, the thing that I think is the most interesting to kind of piggyback on what you were saying about how you kind of felt a little bad that your friendships would have been more sporadic over all these years is that I love that I can speak to my friend Gabe or Chris um, and haven't, or Jason, and haven't spoken to them in so long. And we pick right up where we were. We pick right up where we were because that deep soul connection is there. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter how much time and space and, and, and people are busy. They have lives. A lot of them are parents. You are a parent of three girls and, you know, remodeling your beautiful home and teaching with so much passion. And, and you, we, we've talked about this before offline, like you can't give so much of yourself in all these places and still continue authentic friendships all the time. You yeah, can do yeah. it every once in a while, which is why, to me, yeah. I was over the moon when when the stars would align and, and we were able to connect. Um, because it was level, you know, yeah. to have a friend. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I see it. If I was doing what you were doing, which it was been my dream, um, and I had somebody who cared and really was interested. Wow. I mean, and, and I didn't fabricate that you know that it just was where I was at in my life I was like yes you want to talk about the exact same things I think are so valuable this is wonderful yeah I mean in those things I do actually think the stars align I really do believe and I don't care what other people believe about this because it just has helped me get through life you know I just really do believe that the people in my life that I can see today that are so important to me um, they came from, they, it was a plan. There had to be some intelligence in the quantum field that brought us all together. And I don't know what it is and I don't want to call it anything, but I believe in it. You know, it's sure magical to connect with someone on a spiritual level and on a deep level and, and, and just vibe off of each other, yes. you know, like there's something so special. And what's really interesting is when people don't have that. And, 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 and it's, and you, and you can see it and you feel for them or like you've mentioned before where someone, um, has never had that before, but then they found you and they latch on to you so intensely because they've never felt that with another human. Um, and that's a lot of pressure, right? When, when you have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, for me personally, I think I have the kind of personality where I've had to hone what I say. Otherwise it sounds to people like I am promising them the best friend they've ever had in their whole life, just by my enthusiasm of knowing them. Right. And realize today that I can't be that for everybody. So I have to really hone my friendliness, so to speak, in some ways. Does that make sense? It does. Cause uh, you are a very just, yeah, friendly person. I mean, but well, you don't have the energy to be that connected every single day. No. And I have, like, I, I will say that I have a good 25, 30 people in my life that I am in regular conversation with about important things. And that wow. just takes a lot of, it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of, you know, it takes a lot out of you, but I love it. And I'm so privileged that, you know, my daughters want to talk to me at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, actually, that's a good about. segue because, you know, one of the reasons why I want to have you specifically talk about this topic with me is how do friendships look like across generations? And um, I guess I'm going to I'm going to ask you this question, and that is when we talk, do you think about my age? Never. Same. No, because Same. I was like you, too. When I was a young woman in college, you know, that's when I actually joined the cult for another day, folks, if you're interested. <laughs> and um, I, all of my best friends were married women with children. I enjoyed something about that 
next generation's maturity, it just appealed to me. It could also be partly because I was alone as a child all the time and my only company was adults. So I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so go ahead. What you, you, I kind of interrupted your point that you were making. No, no, I asked, I just asked you the question of like, if you ever thought about well, my no, age. never think about your age. And I got to tell you that, um, I, what I think about my daughter and I, uh, Christina, she's like 37 now, I think. Yeah. Something like that. 37. And, uh, she and I many years ago came up with this elaborate concept about friendship and we were going to write a book. Because we were kind of tormenting over friends, especially from all those years of being in this church and all those friendships just dissolving left and right after it was over. Um, And we came up with this elaborate book concept that friends are like clothing. And you have to be happy that there are times when you go buy five new tops and then three years later, they're not meeting your need anymore and you pass them on to someone else. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Some of your friends are sort of temporary, but then there's that old pair of fry boots that weren't very comfortable when you first got them in 1972, and today you wouldn't trade them for anything, and there's those friends that you'll never, never, never be able to let go, even if you only wear them once every five years. So we came up with this big book idea. I love that. I love that. And and it really, and I mentioned it to her recently, because you're asking about other generations and how they think about it. Millennials, at least my millennials, think about these things a lot. And she goes, Mom, you know, I think we wrote that book in our heads in those days to soothe our own rejection. And to make it feel okay that so many of our friends didn't end up being lifetime. She goes, but today I really look at it differently, don't you? And I went, yeah, I do. I really do. I, I am Today I'm finding my old fry boots in the back of the closet and going, oh my gosh, I'm going to start wearing these all the time. Who would have thought they'd be so comfortable when I'm this much older, you know, I bought them when I was 18 and now I'm 63 and I'm still wearing those fry boots, you know? I mean, and that, that just goes to show though, that when you have, uh, that there's varying degrees of friendships, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, and, and not all boots even can last that many years. They just, they, they fall apart. Um, you lose them. Um, you know, and I recently just lost a friend. Um, and yeah. we had just reconnected yeah. after, you know, seven yeah. years and still had and, and had this sort of like, um, you know, blotchy uh, friendship over the years. Um, but we met in college in the undergrad time. And, you know, just that's just life, isn't it? And, and we can't we can't hold on so deeply to a concept of a person either, like. I, I wanted this person to be this thing. Yeah. And when they're not, when they don't meet that need, um, you know, having some sort of, you know, judgment about it, you just have to go, okay, yeah, that served, like you said, those tank tops, mm. they, they served that purpose, but there wasn't, there wasn't enough of a deep connection or need right. for that. So right. the time and place isn't irrelevant, but definitely the, um, you know, you can still appreciate the effect they had in that moment in time. Yeah. TikTok, I mean, am I right? <laughs> think about it. The passing friends, you go to the store and you don't usually buy a top, which is more, you know, expendable. You buy better quality pants or whatever, but you don't usually buy a top unless it's really attractive to you. And so a lot of our passing friends are just magnetic to us somehow. They, they were attracted to them 
And that's okay. They don't have to be there forever. And that took me a long time to learn. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that I do think I give the millennials, I mean, since you're really so much about the generations, and I I can only speak for the, the many I've seen, but not mm-hmm. all, but I give them so much credit for thinking deeper about all of this or talking more about it than any of us did when we were growing up. Right, right. Teaching. There was nobody to talk to about things like this, you know? Right. So that led me to something else that I really, really wanted to ask you about friendship, and that was, just, just you go on, I, I, it'll come back to me because it's come and gone now twice. Oh, that's okay. So Chris is a millennial. So mm-hmm. Chris, if you have anything, if you're still watching and you have any thoughts about um, how your generation um, has sort of analyzed friendships on a deeper level than, than previous friendships, um, one thing I, I can say is that um, I think we as just humanity We've been able to progress. So it just it makes sense that millennials have had this space and time to analyze mental health, analyze friendships, analyze relationships, because um, if you go back my generation um, and and this might be true for many generations before me is um, we were just trying to survive. Mm hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, especially in a home where a parent is abusive, either verbally or physically, because that's very similar, mm-hmm. um, because you are just trying to survive day to day. But, sure. but, but a lot of parents of millennials have created such loving, stable homes that have allowed this whole generation of humans, unlike ever before, um, they didn't have to work. They didn't have, you know, when they were teenagers, they didn't right. have to help support the family. Um, so they were able to, and they had access to the internet. So any question in the world that they wanted to ask or or, or view mm-hmm. was just at their fingertips. Right. And I think, I think that that is proof of, um, because Gen Z now can just take flight because everything's been philosophized and thought about for them. Right. Not that they're not thinking on their own. I'm just saying like, society is really, um, oh, cool. I've got a, I've got a Gen Xer old pal of mine, Ramsey's talking about, yeah, just surviving was really kind of where we all were. Thanks for listening. It's so good to see you, Ramsey. Um, you know, but yeah. Oh, and here, Chris, Chris says, uh, I think social media has also really shaped how friendships are formed and maintained. Oh, and isn't that true? Isn't mm-hmm. that true? Mm-hmm. Um, especially because you could have 5,000 friends on social media. Um, but do you really, um, are you really f- friendships? Are they, or are they just a multiple set of tank tops? Well, yeah, and those are all things that every generation is going to have to figure out because of how they form friendships. And the Internet aspect of it does lend for a lot of those superficial friends. You know, when you've got a closet with 200 tops in it, you know, you're overwhelmed by it and you never wear any of them. You, right. you know, you walk in and out. Uh, of choice. Which is how I feel about Facebook, which is my biggest problem with Facebook is because I got into it from the very beginning when I was teaching with the exchange students and it grew to every category of people I knew in the world, way beyond my capacity to keep up with. And they're not, they're the old, they're they're not quality connections Mm -hmm. all the time. Sometimes they are. So I do Mm -hmm. agree that what my favorite part of Facebook is how much it's helped people who 
needed to find their friends again that way and right. really or the, just maintain those friendships yeah. like i mean i have i've i've moved so much over the years that if i didn't have facebook no one would have my permanent address in a way right, right? right. so i was such a bohemian in that way i remembered what i wanted to bring up and this might not be as interesting <laughs> to you as it is to me but you know we all go through life and we all have this idea of what is good friendship? What does it look like? What does it mean? And when we don't get it, are we angry and betrayed? And everybody has that. Who does not think that there's some norm or model that's perfect for friendship? Mm -hmm. that, is, that is the dangerous thing about it, though. So what would, I mean, for me, I think it was always, someone couldn't really be a close friend to me if they couldn't talk to me like this because I just, I was so bored with superficial talk. Yeah, that's, that's a hard one because um, I can't always deeply connect to, to, to humans, right? Like, um, you know, I have, um, I, I have a, a lot of my recharging is, is solitude, right? And, but I'm also very outgoing so I have that sort of both sides to me. Um, but sometimes it's really fun to have superficiality because um, it, it it's exhausting to deep think all the time. Oh, I'm sometimes it's nice to have a friend who's like, look at my new shirt. Isn't it pretty? And it's like, oh, yeah, where'd you get that? Like or like, did you hear this new song? And, you know, I, I, I like I like having different levels of depth of friends um, but now whether or not those are going to be long-term friends, that's another, that's another story, but I welcome those superficial right. connections. Right. Well, and then I think that goes to, to the word friendship has been, you know, I mean, you are a European scholar, so you know, the countless books of poetry that have been written on friendship, mm -hmm. both in France and Germany, like yeah. so in depth that you grow up with this idea that you never have it. You never know what those writers are talking about. You, you know, and that is a sad way to have any understanding of things, you know, to grow up thinking, I just, I, I don't have it. I don't have it because it doesn't look like friends, you know, like my kids grew up wanting to have four girlfriends, like in Sex and the City. They they wanted to have this tight knit group of girlfriends because it looked so rewarding and, and meaningful to them. And you can't just make that happen. Right. You know, that happens if it happens, you know, um, but then you put a lot of but then, you know, those friendships where you do become that tight and you're involved in each other's daily lives every single day. I have seen those self combust my whole life. Right. I, I'm not a believer in being in someone's daily life as a friend. I feel like that's invasive, that it mm -hmm. ends up being it's I don't think it's healthy. I don't know. That's my opinion. <laughs> You know, that's interesting because um, some of the sort of daily connection friends that I've had in my life um, was more about brewing toxic toxicity. Yeah. Um, so talking shit about your boss or talking shit about someone that is a mutual enemy, because that is a, um, a a pretty common connector for humans, right, is is mm -hmm. uh, the same enemy mentality. Um, you know, it's us versus them kind of thing. And that that connection. But um, and so those also um, exhaust me. Yes. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, after a while and I've recognized this in my own need to 
reach out to friends, certain people in my life to like vent about terrible things in my life. Um, Oh, you know what? Before I go deeper into that, Ramsey has a question for you, Vicky. He says, when I was in my early teens, making friends meant going over to their house and listening to albums and playing video games. What kind of shared experiences did you build your early relationships around? That's a great question because you had such a different childhood than we did in the 80s. We, Yeah, because I agree with Ramsey. We were playing video games. Yeah. Well, that is a very good question. Um, when I was in sixth and seventh grade living in Chicago, I had a group of very, very wonderful, wonderful girlfriends. And we literally did hang out at each other's houses every day and listen to music. So albums, you know, Carol King, James Taylor, but we weren't much different than you guys in that respect. And lots and lots of fun and right. talking, playing cards and um, and we roamed the neighborhood. You know, I lived in right. a place in Chicago where we could go to this really fancy hotel close to the airport. And after school, when we were in seventh grade and we thought we were, you know, we did similar things. But today, kids, unfortunately, don't have that roaming freedom or, you know, they don't think they do. So, but yeah, a lot of parents don't let like kids roam. A no, lot of parents don't no. let like kids roam. And but uh, I will but, say yeah. in high school, it turned very much to friends that. I smoke pot with and talk to. That was my thing. And folk music, Play, sitting and playing the wow. guitar and playing music. And um, that was really my scene. Partying never, never was. It just was, I, I'm not a partier. I'm not an extrovert. You know, I just don't love that scene. But I don't not have acquaintances, Trish, or beloved, loved people, beloved people in my life that are not really friends. They don't know me intimately, but I care very much about them. So I, I know what you're saying. And there and there is a great balance because I, I could not do this with every every person that's ever come into my life, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you and I sit in Saturday mornings. Who where would I find the time? I have two hour conversations <laughs> every day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have to be able to be allowed to retire, is so that we can really get reconnected with humans, you know, like um at least that's that's what I I think uh a lot is a, is a bonus of, yeah. of retirement because now instead of putting all your energy into going to work and, and excelling in your career or parenting or whatever, now right. you have time to cultivate those relationships that you didn't have time before. And I really do see it as my, my calling. I mean, if you want to talk about teaching being a calling, if it isn't, you're going to hate it. <laughs> and I honestly feel like I've been a teacher since I was three years old when I used to pin pictures up in my bedroom pretending I was had posters on the wall. And, you know, I was always playing teacher. And I don't know what it is yeah. about that, but I love I just love that. I And it's not that I want to tell somebody the way it is. It's just that I'm fascinated with the world. So if I can find someone else who is fascinated with life and all its intricacies, man, I'm all there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's another thing I wanted to ask along those lines. So when we have these great expectations of what friendship could be, um, I have spent many, many years trying to completely be rid of the complaining. Because like you were saying, you know, with those certain groups of people, the ones you work with and then the the, you know, the hallway banter becomes nothing but bad news. Um, that is just something I, I have found over the years that I don't stand on my high horse and go, I'm not going to be negative with you because I'm just such a positive person. Oh, God, yeah. Well, no, I definitely seen, not. I just have seen the damage that complaining 
and negativity has done to relationships. And it's just a place that I won't go to anymore. And that's also one reason social media intrigues me and turns me off is that as soon as it gets in that realm of negativity, it's not helpful to me anymore. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's funny because on the one hand, you need, you need people who understand the struggles that you're going through. Um, yeah. Right. And a sounding board, right. Of like, I have this issue. How do I deal with it? But it's another thing to sort of, you know, we almost get a high off of it when everyone mm-hmm. is just like, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah. He's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That, you know, or that girl or whatever. Again, and last time I ever volunteer my time for that job. Yeah. Yes. That kind yes. of stuff. Yeah. I get it. It's just not productive. It's not a healthy way to resolve your conflict. And it's not a healthy connection because no. then if, if the circumstance changes or, um, you know, the person leaves the work environment or whatever, then you start wondering, um, like, how do I reconnect? Do I need to reconnect by maintaining some kind of terrible thing? So what I used to do when I was younger is um, I, I always felt um, afraid to celebrate my achievements mm-hmm. and, and would and, and thought that people only liked me as a victim. I know this is really out there, but because that's how deeply I connected with people, um, you know, in college was sharing my story, which right, is right. fortunately based around uh, uh, being a victim. And so I, I, I always thought like I need to appear um, less interesting. I'm uglier. I'm, I, I know this is really out there, but just in all honesty, because I didn't really, I didn't really know that I had value just in communicating. Now, obviously that's changed as I've gotten older and, and now, um, I'm, I'm much more confident in, in, in thinking that people appreciate good news and yeah. they appreciate your, your achievements yeah. because, um, it's 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 that sort of brightness in 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 some dark times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weird stuff, I know. But well, and 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 those childhood feelings about the way we were perceived and seen are hard to get over. But you know, I mean, the minute you begin to realize that everybody in the world goes through these kinds of things, and it's meant to you're meant to evolve from it. Mm-hmm. Then you can make some progress. It's, you know, it's just what I find it really sad when people don't evolve in their friendships because they can't stop feeling like they're in high school and acting like they're in high school. Mm. And, you know, when you work in a high school, it's Mm. just like, it's kind of like going back home to the parents where everybody was dysfunctional and you've gotten health and you go home and you're all back in your dysfunction. You go back to high school and all of a sudden everybody is acting weird because like Mm -hmm. your self-esteem is questioned all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And those are just things that, Everybody does go through, but we don't realize it. And so few people would ever be willing to talk about it. It makes them so uncomfortable. Why does it make people so uncomfortable to talk about something so real? You know? Yeah. Why won't you give me your birth date? I want your birth date. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to answer that question because because I think it's relevant to friendship. I I want... My 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 issue with sharing my birthday, Vicky, is this: is what are you going to do on that day? Are you going to send me a card? Or are you going to send me a gift? Because I'm on a as as low waste 
kind of um, existence as possible. So I don't want well. See, this is the thing: Christmas presents or cards, because cards go in the trash. Right. Uh, you know right. what I mean. So if it's right. if it's just, um, I want to make time to send you a happy birthday text. Or I want to spend time on the phone with you. I, I I will give you the date, but if it's to send me a card or a physical item um, that that I have to put in my home, and don't get me wrong, Vicky, you have given me some good gifts. I, I, I'm not, I already got a card for you for next year, so you just put it up and then recycle it. It's already bought. So, <laughs> hey, listen, but let me answer that because I think this is really significant. This whole concept. What do people think makes a good friend? Celebrating one's birthday has been a big part of it. Your friends aren't your friends if they're not celebrating your life. But I've sucked at it my whole life. I I was forced to write everybody in Germany for their birthdays. I was questioned whether I remembered their birthdays. And birthdays became such a bondage for me. That all I'm doing is hearing you and respecting you. I'll only buy you one more card and then I will just love you in any other way I can. Um, but at the same time, I'm just wanting to come to a place where I don't look at acknowledging people as such a big deal anymore because I was so forced to do it my whole life. And I and want to acknowledge, I, acknowledge. And I might just pray for you that day. I might just have a little solstice celebration and a drink on your behalf. Who knows? Well, for me, there's there's too many people in my life, and I can't remember everyone's birthday, and not everyone's kind yeah. enough to post about it on Facebook. Like right. I know that um, one of my friends, uh, uh, who I just did an episode with, um, raves New York City and, and acupuncture. Um, I know Jill has a birthday soon, wow. or maybe yeah. she already had it, and I don't remember. And I've been her friend, you know, since 1996. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's just not going to be reciprocated because to me, birthdays are um, if you want to invite me to hang out, that's cool. I'm terrible at gift giving. Right. Have I ever given you a gift or a birthday card ever? Uh, I, if someone had asked me if you ever had, I would have went, oh, yeah, I'm sure she has. But I nope. don't know. I never have. I, See, I, I don't think tell about you. it that way either. Um, so honestly, it's interesting that you feel so you got to have that birthday when you know I have never. Oh yeah. But it's because of my relationship with you. It's not because of some agenda I have in the realm of friendship. It's because I want to know what my friend Trisha's birthday is. Exactly. It's December 17th, 16th. 16th. Whoa. You did already. You did know. Um, And, and, and again, only because for me at this point in my life, I'm no longer looking at it, at acknowledging anybody when I can as, Oh, one more thing to do. And my mother's going to ask me about it. I'm over all of that. <laughs> no, it's like today I'm looking for ways for the people that mean something to me to touch them in a way that will be helpful to them and not overwhelming to them. Because you can sometimes overwhelm people with generosity and then make them feel so indebted. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that either. I've never liked feeling like, oh my gosh, I can never make up to this friend what they've done for me the past five years you know, give, 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 and I can't do it, you know. But you know what I think about that, Vicki, is I always think that um, it's it's very much like being a teacher. Um, and by the way, I, just a side note, I always joked that my stuffed animals had a fifth grade education, a sixth grade education. I use my Because um, <laughs> I, lo- I always pretend to play teacher, right? As long as I can remember. And you play teacher but, too? 
until yeah, a hundred percent. I love. We get the idea to play teacher. Like, and I just loved it. I loved school. But anyway, I, not to digress too far into that, but um, the teacher mentality that I have um, is, is with friendships is is that, you know, you're, you're planting seeds that you may never see fruit yeah. from. Um, you, yeah. you, you know what I mean? And, and there's so many people in my life that have given so much to me that uh, either I've, I've never talked to again or they've died or they've, you know, uh, moved uh, a far away or just lost contact with. Um, but but I'm OK with that because I know that I can pour it into you or I can pour it into another person mm-hmm. and I can just sort of recycle that love and kindness and and, and put it somewhere else. Yeah. In, in remembrance of how that human treated me. And isn't that one of the most. I mean, to me, that is a is a practice that has set me free is don't try to pay back. Just pay forward. Yeah. You'll pay never forward. pay back. You'll never be able to pay back. And, and besides the fact, sometimes you want to pay back and the person doesn't even remember they did that for you. It's all in your it head. It was so insignificant to them. They were they didn't they yeah. just showed up and right. or or it also makes it become this thing like, I did this because I love you and out of the kindness of my heart. Why are you making this a competition? Why do you feel like you have to um, up, up friend me? Yeah. Because you, know, yeah. you feel guilty about yeah. what I've given you out of yeah. just pure love. And, and yeah, I don't know. See, I love to give things. I'm not necessarily a good gift buyer, but I, I do because that's how I grew up. That's the only way my family could show love was by giving you stuff. Mm-hmm. They were very bad at expressing affection any other way. Um, so I love to give all my neighbors just a little something at Christmas and they have kids. So I sent a package to the little boys across the street this year. And when we got home from Virginia, there was a huge bag of gifts for us. And I was like... That's not what I want. I I don't want reciprocation. Wow. I just wanted to, and it was all candy and fun things for the kids. And then they gave us like a blanket and a frame and cups. And I'm like, oh my word. So those wow. are all become conflicts for me, but I decided that there are no rights and wrongs in friendship. And there's no rights or wrongs about any of this stuff. And I am more at peace just letting it be because my inclination is to just, you know, thank them, but go, oh, I feel so bad. I mean, I really didn't want you to do all this. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, but some people do give gifts that, I mean, there are different ways that people express their love, you know? Yeah. Ramsey's well, yeah, Ramsey, I get it because. Yeah, because I think our, I don't know, your mom's not my mom's age. My mom's old, but that generation, they did not know how to do anything but give you gifts. Mm-hmm. That's how they, I mean, my mother for sure in my family, that's how they express their affection. You know? Well, I don't know. Ramsey is Gen X and a lot of my Gen X friends had um, parents from the silent generation. Really? Uh, so Ramsey, I don't know if you know what your um, silent generation um, sort of ends, um, but it's around 19, uh, 1940. Yeah, 1940. Yeah. So um, after the war, it could be that uh, his family um, are from the silent generation or just maybe that's just um, it, he's also in Illinois. That could be a regional thing. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, because then that, that's always a thing too, right? Uh, he, oh, he said his mom is a boomer for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, could be a regional I, thing. I think, it's, I think it's a familial thing myself. I think it really depends on every family's culture and where they came from, how much gifts were important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's, there's families who are good at, at other ways of expressing affection. And when someone's family's not, a gift is sometimes all they got, you know? Here, mm-hmm. shut up and take this. I'm sorry. I, you know, yeah, my, my family's not really a gift family. And, and I, I had enough, you know, birthdays and Christmases where I got one thing. Maybe it was a pair of socks that my mom got from a bingo game that she won. Um, yeah. You know, so I guess that's why I don't really... So this don't mean that much to you. That is something in friendship that one should hear from each other. Mm-hmm. I am I'm glad to know that because I I can tell you honestly that what I do give you all the time when I think of you is probably exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. I I just smile and I'm filled with love. And if there's a vibrational quantum physics universe, I know it's headed. I know it's going to help you. And that's well, what I give away freely all the time. You know, well, just showing up. Showing up yes. and being present yes. when you're, when you're, when we are together. Yeah. That, yeah. That's such a, that's such an important thing. And, and I've had friends that are no longer friends that when, you know, right around, you know, 2012, well, no, uh, t- 2011, 2011, um, you know, I had this friend and that was right when um, the Internet was really available on your phones. When when these bad boys really became um, everyone's standard, yeah, standard. And we'd go out to lunch together and she would just be constantly on her phone. And she was um, she was a few years younger than me. And I remember feeling so, um, so hurt that she would want to spend time with me, but be so inside of her phone. And, and, um, and, and like I said, we're just, we're not friends anymore because um, that really bothered me. And whenever I'm around someone who um, needs to have their phone at all times and, um, and, and they're down like this, I mean, it's one thing to send a message to your daughter. Hey, this is why I had to hang up on you so abruptly, but you haven't picked up that phone since you, 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 you needed to take care of the thing. And now you're you're able to be completely present. Yeah, I know it's exactly what you're talking about. To do that, right? Yeah, like I used to take my seniors to this, you know, thirty dollars a head dinner at a German restaurant every year when they graduated, and there'd be twelve people at this huge table in this beautiful setting, and it's amazing, and they're all on their phones. Yeah, I I don't even. Yeah, that is. But see, that is something that should be part of our friendship conversation is how do you deal with conflict? How do people deal with conflict? Nobody does it well, or we wouldn't have the world we have, obviously. Right. Right. But I would hope at least if it were you and me and not this person that you weren't that close to that you and I could overcome the moments where we're feeling like, are you listening to me right now? Have you gone away? Can I get you back? Can I gently understand that I can get distracted um, could you please not use your phone? Could you please turn the dinger down? I just, mm, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not single always. You're tripping me out. You, you, we, Do you we remember when you said that to me? No, but what I wanted to say was, um, you know, we modeled that really well earlier in the, in the conversation. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, like we, it wasn't, it wasn't an aggressive thing. 
It yeah. wasn't even, uh, you know, you, I asked you, could you do the thing? You said no. And I went, no, okay, well, it, it's just a, it was just a, you know, to yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah. But we went on. It wasn't like, oh my God, you've ruined my podcast. Right, you know, right, or like, right. you don't even care. There was none of that because of the yeah. respect and love that I have for you. Any more than you were like, she doesn't care that I need to take care of my daughter right now. Yeah. You know, none of that right. Right, our brains because right. of our because, because, but part of that Trish is because our our journey in life has been to become healthier emotionally mm-hmm. and not to lash out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've worked on this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Although I can't remember ever lashing out at you or ever feeling. Oh I mean, yeah, no, just in just in fun that story I just told you was in the hallway at Southeast when I was always humming. I hummed my whole life, and I got screamed at for it a lot. And I screamed at you? I didn't scream at you. You were just having, you know, it was a totally okay thing. And I always got it. And it also helped me to understand, you know, how to be around people and help and not be like annoying. But I was always humming. And I do all the time. It drove my family crazy for all my life. Well, here, here's a little, a little tidbit. The, the um, I, I, I have realized that I have a little bit of an audio um, sensitivity Hmm. And the halls of Southeast High School were so loud and there were so many humans and there was so much going on that it was really overwhelming to me, especially coming out of having just performed for an hour straight in another language. Right. Um, right. And so that time and we, we had to sit, stand against this wall and, and at one point, there was a kid that got tased right in front of us because there was so much chaos in that hallway. Do you remember right. that? And making that out and all kinds of stuff was going on. So the hugging was on. like just another sound that was like, so I apologize if I came off aggressive at all because obviously. Oh, you know what, but that's not even the issue. The, the thing is. To me, is this is this is what I'm talking about. How do you overcome conflict with someone you love dearly and you really want to stay friends with them? You really sometimes just don't take it that seriously and you ignore it. The only reason I remember it is because nobody ever liked my humming and singing all the time. From the time I was a little kid, I got knocked down for it. You know, so for you it was a it was a personal thing. It was a personal thing, but I know for you it wasn't. So well, that and, was, and I love your voice. Yeah, and it's just something I remember, but that you and I can process it today as mature adult women and look back and go, well, this is where I was. Well, this is where I was. Right. We get each other. It only makes us closer because it's relevant. It's not a big issue we need to resolve, nor do you need to apologize for it. It's like that's what friendship should be, you know, yeah. is even sometimes years later being able to say, you know, I was really hurt by that. I'm not anymore. But where was your head at at the time? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like my daughter asked me one time, how could you not have felt how desperately, miserably depressed I was in high school? How could you not have known that, mom? You were so close to me. Mm. And I was like, honey, you, you never presented that side to me. With you and me, we were good. Mm-hmm. And that's what I went by. And I couldn't see that in you. And you obviously couldn't tell me, but she could years and years later. And we had to kind of process, where was your head at, mom? Mm-hmm. So she asked me, you know, on the, you know, we have this life journey. Everybody uses this analogy. It's nothing new, but I love it. The river journey is life, right? She goes, mom, where were you on the river in those days when you could not even see that I was miserable? Mm. And those were the last days of our, our church days, the last mm. years. 
I said, honey, I was on that boat with you guys and it was going down that river in such a fast current that all we could do was hold on to you for dear life and hope we didn't fall off the boat. Mm-hmm. And then we got spit out into the ocean with no anchor all by ourselves to decide how to live now. And then I could look at you and pay attention. Mm-hmm. And she got it. Mm-hmm. She got it. And to me, and, wow. You know? Yeah. And I think that, even. that's so much trust and love. And and what a beautiful analogy um, and, and a great place for us to wrap up because we have been talking, as we always do, for an hour and a half. Um and, and, and I just love the fact that we've had people listening this long, too, and interacting. Yes, thank you. I mean, I can't. so much more enjoyable. So thank yeah. you all so much. Um, and, and hopefully we've, we've um, peeled back some layers of friendship across generations and just how, um, just how beautiful it is to have friends from different generations because it allows you to um, really – really remove you from this generational place and really connect as a human, which is really the goal of this podcast. So even though I bring up generations a lot, the end goal is to show you all that we have so much more that, that connects us rather than divides us. So, um, and, and Ramsey, Hey, it was great to have you here. And, uh, hopefully you you all will tune in when we go live again on March 13th at, uh, at noon mountain standard time. Um, we're going to be doing this, but we're going to talk about sex and it'll be a wonderful conversation because none of us can do anything for spring break. So make sure that you go to the <laughs> podvcom um, Facebook page and give it a like um, so that you can be a part of that. It's going to be two weekends full of podcast panels. And I'm so excited, Vicki, to have you be a part of that. And so I am and, so honored. You have and, no idea. And yeah. as always, I love you so much. And thank um, you for making my life just a little bit better. And um, I'm going to go ahead and we'll end, end this, but I'm going to keep you backstage for a little bit, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Thank awesome. you, listeners. And thank you, Trish, so much. Yeah. I love you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.